Hey everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you guys about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge down to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off your $50 or more purchase on their website and on their app. Use the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off your $50 or more purchase for all of your parties and events and have it delivered straight to your door. Now let's jump into the show. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Going to work crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one-on-two. And Jost. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. Welcome in. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am your host, Jesse Montano. I am joined by the great AJ Hayfley here on a Thursday afternoon. And AJ, let's skip the pleasantries as there was big, rather unexpected news uh, from practice today. When you got to practice, AJ, what did you see? Uh, I mean, first of all, it was another optional practice, which I swear to God, man, if I have to cover one more of those this year, <laughs> you guys need to be practicing. Okay. If we are, if we are covering it, y'all need to be on the ice. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, here, get out I'm, there. I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding, <laughs> but no, but like just in case somebody thinks I'm actually yelling at the players to, to, to get, get on, on the ice. <laughs> uh, no, I, um, I walked in and honestly, like Landy skated right by me in a regular burgundy jersey, and I was like, "Oh, Landy's on the ice." So that's where that's what we're gonna talk about here in the first segment. Is everyone shows up to practice today? Lo and behold, the six weeks that we were originally quoted for Gabe Landeskog is ending up looking more like two, uh, three weeks to the day. Oh, of, well, of the go. injury. Um, yeah, March 7th was the day of the injury. Uh, March 8th was the day we got the prognosis the next morning. He will return tomorrow. I don't care how coy they want to play it. Um, Gabe Landeskog is not going to not play tomorrow. Come uh, on. And so, and so you said it right there. I don't care how coy they want to play it. You're saying that because Jared Bednar, obviously, uh, you know, he was non-committal to uh, – to saying that Landis Gog will be in the lineup tomorrow. But based on your conversations with Landis Gog, it sounds like he is chomping at the bit to get back in. Yeah, and he started off his presser with, when we asked him, so are you in? And he said, have you guys already talked to Bednar? And we were like, no. And he was like, well, in that case, I can only speak for myself. We'll see. I feel pretty good. Blah, 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 blah. Come on. He's in. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think I don't remember if you said it on the show or if you just said it, you know, off air. Uh, I think you even said if they beat Vegas, I can't imagine Landy's held out on Friday. Yeah. Um, 
No, Rantanen would play too. And uh, instead, we we saw Rantanen walking around after practice, um, shorts and a t-shirt and a backwards hat, no no limp, no anything. Yeah, that one. I I have to imagine that that's that that's some type of deep bruise. Yeah, it, it must just be extremely painful to the touch. To where any kind of contact is just killing him. Otherwise, to your point, I don't know why you would be holding him out of the lineup. Yeah, I for me, just you know, obviously, it's insane. I'm gonna say this, but I'm I'm not a doctor. Uh, but I do feel like just just from looking at it and having watched it, and then have of course having seen him around the arena, um, I it to me it looks like it's it's probably like a deep bone bruise on the hip. Yeah, is is like my guess. And anybody has ever had a deep bone bruise, you know how miserable that is. Mm-hmm. And just like how, like you said, like it's it's it hurts on the touch, and it just it aches all the time. And every time you breathe, every time you move, it's just like ugh. right. It's right. Just, it's pure misery. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm expecting. The 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 situation is because. I don't know why else he would be out. Yeah. So that's remains day to day. He's still working out. He's still in the gym. He's still doing all that. Um, honestly, if they, if they beat Arizona without him and then, you know, they start to approach clinch scenarios mm-hmm. uh, early next week, if they beat St. Louis and they go, you know, they're six up with three to play. If Arizona loses, um, you know, if they're able to clinch before Winnipeg, before San Jose next week, if they were, if if things obviously break very much in their favor and they're able to clinch, uh, you might just rest him pure for, for the rest of the season mm-hmm. and not even bother with it and let him heal up as much as possible, um, and hope that you have him in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he could get back out there for one shift in. You know, somebody somebody hits him and he just goes, I can't do it. Right, right. Yeah, so if – I think if you hold him – obviously you're holding him out tomorrow. Depending on how that goes, yeah, I mm-hmm. think you just – you shut him down for the regular season and say we think we can hold on without him and you hope he's back for game one. Or I think that would be a ploy to have him back for game one. Um, it's going to be interesting. How did Landy yeah. look out there? I mean, it's it's an optional, man. Well, right, but I mean, I mean, from from a uh, you know a range of of movement and shooting the puck, did he look like he was shooting? You know, yeah, he was shooting. Uh, it all looked normal. Um, and of course, when you know, like he has a shoulder injury or whatever, you know, oh my god, what? whoever's <laughs> playing goal for Ottawa just made an insane glove save. Oh, really? Yeah, on a breakaway, on a, a shorthanded breakaway, because Ottawa's really, really bad. <laughs> um, Anders Nielsen, awesome glove save right there. Um, you'll see the highlights by the time you hear this, so you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, he looked fine, but of course, like when you're, when you know that like he's got an upper body injury, it's like a shoulder. You know, we saw his arm in the sling, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're looking for. Oh, is he tentative? Is he wincing? Is any any of that? I will say he took the um, the back way into the locker room after he got off the ice, 
And then media wasn't allowed in until he had put on uh, the hoodie. Mm. So he could do the, he could do the interviews and all that. Um, Common, common thing when a guy has an upper body injury that they're, they're trying to hide basically. Well, I mean, you don't, you don't want to see a guy, you know, wrapped up his shoulder all wrapped up or taped up or any of that stuff, you know? Right. Like, cause that's the kind of thing that we always look for and we report on, you know, a guy that, a guy that keeps his gear on for a minute too long or doesn't, you know, you notice he doesn't take his, his gloves off during certain situations or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's lots of those little things that you, that we're always keeping our eye on and they know that. And so this time of year, it becomes a game between us and the training staff and the players and the PR staff of trying to hide those things best they can uh, so that we don't report them. Now, given that several of us know about, some injuries that players are are dealing with right now and none of us have reported them. I don't know why we're playing this game, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. So good news definitely coming out of practice today. You're hoping that uh that you know it's not being rushed or anything like that. Obviously we remember Nate McKinnon last year went down with a shoulder injury and you know same kind of thing where he came back a little bit quicker than we thought. Uh he was obviously you know he had something taped up or something like that. He was same kind of thing we were just talking about, making sure that they've got the hoodie on or the shoulder pads or something. So I'm sure, you know, obviously you, you trust that they know what they're doing. Obviously this time of year, the players are itching to get back in. Um, yeah, that was funny last year, that McKinnon shoulder injury, yeah. because when he came back, I was like so convinced he was still hurt mm-hmm. because he was every time that he was in the locker room, he was sitting there with his full gear on waiting to do all interviews and all press. And then he would only start to slowly take his gear off when we were all leaving. Mm -hmm. And like at the time, like I'd covered the team, you know, for two and a half seasons by that point, Mm -hmm. you know, last year being my third year, like I was pretty comfortable with the idea of his, his habits. Mm -hmm. And when there was a major change for like 20 days, in those habits and everybody tried to act like I was the one that was crazy. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 yeah. no, don't give me that. I know what's going on here. Well, and, and it was one of those things. Cause I remember you pointing it out to me and even someone who, you know, hadn't been around for the last couple of years, having just seen him throughout the year and not even just him, but all those guys, it's usually how quickly can I get out of here? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, he would just sit there and wait for everyone. And sometimes you leave the Jersey yeah. on, sometimes it would be, uh, uh shoulder pads. And I, and then I, I remember one time he, uh, after the scrum left him and, and most everyone was talking to someone else, I caught him like very, very, very quickly getting undressed. And he threw a couple towels over his, over his shoulders and walked out. Um, yeah, so yeah. that's the other thing, the towels. Very, very sneaky, sir. Right, right. Um, let's go and take a quick break. When we come back, yeah. The re, you know, I mentioned it earlier. You said, "Hey, if they beat Vegas, uh, I think they're going to be pulling out all the stops for Arizona." Well, they did beat Vegas, and it was an exciting game, and it came down uh, right to the end. And we are going to talk all about it on the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage 
We will be right back. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Segment number two here, BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Jesse Montano and AJ Hayfley hanging out here about to talk Avs nights last night at Pepsi Center. Uh, extremely exciting game. The Avs jump out to a 3-0 lead. Tyson Berry setting more records. Nathan McKinnon finally gets back in the goal column. A whole lot of good from last night, AJ. Let's start at the top. Avs come out and grab a 2-0 lead in the first period. Definitely the start you wanted to see against a very, very good Vegas team, especially when you're shorthanded. Yeah, I mean, thank God Malcolm Subban sucks. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into that here uh, as we as we kind of work through the goals that were scored. Because, my goodness. Yeah, three and four. Whew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is a, a team you and I talked about. We were both honestly not, you know, not being funny thing. I was worried. I was worried going into that game. I said, man, this this is an extremely good Vegas team. This is a banged-up Avs team. Uh, you were hoping that it went the right way, and, and man, they, like I said, they came out flying. Yeah, I mean, they had a really good first period. They jumped all over them. They capitalized on their chances. Uh, they did They did everything they needed to get out early and put themselves out in front. And you know what? When you do that, like it just goes to show you that when you actually get out and you capitalize on some opportunities, you build yourself a margin for error for the rest of the game. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they did. And, you know, second period, they didn't stop building. They kept coming at them. They kept doing work. They kept building. And against good teams, like you're going to need that. You can't expect to go out there and play on a razor thin margin and play and say, we have to play mistake free, mistake free hockey. If we're going to beat this team, you've got to capitalize on your chances and build that, that cushion where, Hey, you're going to make mistakes. They're going to make a play or two in that game. You know, it's going to happen at some point. You don't go in there expecting to shut them out. You know, you do what you can, but you also live on planet earth Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's a really, really good hockey team. And they play a really tough and physical and consistent and simple game that mm-hmm. just wears teams down. And Colorado is still not quite comfortable yet with closing games out. You know, the I, I don't know if it's a style thing. I don't know if it's a personality thing. Uh, but it's obvious that they're still not quite the same team when they have a lead, especially in the third period, you know, some of it is obviously going to be the other team is pushing, you Mm -hmm. know, it's not, it's not like when the Avs are down by a goal 
and they push that the other team just like sits back, right? Right. And and just like lets it happen. They just, you know, you push. There's a desperation there. And the Avs were on the other end of that last night, and they got a couple of breaks along the way, got a little bit lucky. And, you know, that hey, the other team doesn't execute. That's on them. The same way as when the Avs don't capitalize on their opportunities. You know, when Miko Rantanen misses an empty net in overtime against the Capitals, you know, but hey, they, they, you don't, you know, you don't, uh, you don't capitalize on your opportunities. You lose games. Mm-hmm. Vegas didn't uh, capitalize on some of theirs last night. Colorado did on theirs. It's a difference in the game. Colorado got a much needed two points. You know, we said coming into it, four wins out of the final six games. And we both had Vegas as a loss. Mm-hmm. And that just sets up for tomorrow to be, you have a chance to not necessarily knock the Coyotes out, but set up tomorrow to be as close to a knockout punch as you can without actually right. knocking them out. It's it's in, in boxing, boxing parlance, it would be like putting them on the mat for the 10 count and how they respond to it. You know, we'll see, but the, the abs have an opportunity tomorrow to really, you know, the Vegas win is huge because those were points none of us were expecting they would get. And they put themselves in such a glorious position here. It'll be interesting for a team that has struggled to handle success this year. How do they handle this moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, you said it all. It, it, it was, it was a, it was a really, really strong win last night. I want to keep talking about it. Um, because I, I, I really was, man. I was extremely impressed with the uh, way the Avs played that game. Um, I don't want to start sounding too much like like a, like a Vegas fanboy here, um, but I mean that's that's an impressive team, and they've done a lot of good things. They've got a lot of good players on that team. Um, obviously, having Malcolm Subban in net instead of uh, Mark Andre Fleury helps, um, but. Really strong performance from the abs regardless. Tyson Berry now is officially the sole owner of most points by an avalanche defenseman, most goals by an avalanche defenseman, as well as most assists by an avalanche defenseman. I know we talk a lot about Tyson Berry on this podcast as you and I are are, um, bigger fans of his game than, than a lot of people. But it seems like these last couple weeks, I've gotten a lot of mentions saying, all right, I give what a player. And you just keep seeing him climb, you know, break these these records here. And, I mean, he's still, I don't want to say he's a young guy, but, I mean, he's still in the first half of his career. And so for him to be racking up these type of accolades, it's uh, it's impressive, man. Well, I mean, for one thing, it also goes to show you that the Avs haven't had a long-term offensive defenseman really stick around for a long, long time. Because I mean, seventy-three goals is the career is the best, <laughs> you know. Like, and I don't, I don't mean to like sound like I'm taking away from Tyson here. He obviously has done all the work, and he can only climb the leaderboard that's in front of him. Uh-huh. Um, but like, seventy-three goals is not for a career for a defenseman, it's not like, whoa, you know? 
yeah. it's it's not so many, you know, and, and his career point totals, it's not like this crazy high number. But I mean, again, you know, he can only beat the number that's in front of him. And he did that. And as I wrote in the grades last night, you know, regardless of how you feel about Tyson Berry as a player, it doesn't really matter. He's the guy that stands alone. He stands alone atop those leaderboards and every defenseman that puts on an Avs uniform um, today and in the future is chasing his records, goals, assists, and points. All three of them, his, the big three are all his name. Uh, it's his record book now. And he's, you know, regardless of how, like, oh, the, it's not a ton of gold. It's not, it's not a really high number. Blah, 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 blah. Does not matter. They're, they're in his name. He's the best offensive defenseman the Avs have had. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I, it's funny because you can, you can usually tell, uh, who it is that, uh, that scored the goal because they're usually the ones for the abs that go through the line first. So when he, uh, when he took that shot and he went through the line first and they announced it as Andrew ghetto, I said, "Mm, I have a feeling they'll change that. And, uh, they eventually did. So just just some context here. Uh, Tyson Berry is now 179th uh, all time in the NHL uh, for, for goals by a defenseman. Tyler Myers sits one career goal in front of him in about 150 more games. So there's just a little bit of context. Tyson Berry has scored 73 goals in 479 games. Tyler Myers, the closest, closest active Where's top 100 top 100 is yeah, a top 100 goal score from a defenseman that that starts to put you into like lofty territory. Uh, 100 is Craig Hartsburg with 98 career goals. All right. So that's very, very doable in the next two years for Tyson Berry. Mm-hmm. And then what about points? Uh, I've just got it separated out by goals, but I can just do this. So I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, well, they keep it ranked. Uh, Let me back out. Let me do it by another sorting category here because it was still just keeping it ranked. Ranked by goals, so most points for a defenseman in a career. So you just want to know what who's in the top 100 or what the top Yeah, who's the top 100 for points by a defenseman? I'm, I'm curious, like, how far away he is. Because, like, obviously we're not talking about Tyson Berry as a Hall of Famer or anything like that. But, it, you know. What's Tyson Berry's get... current career point total? Three, uh, 302? Uh, I don't know. Something like that. Uh, 420 is... 199. So again, you expect that in the next two seasons, uh, probably before he breaks game 600, he'll be in that territory. And the guys that sit in that territory. Yeah. So 304. So he's 116 points off. Um, So you expect within the next two seasons, he'll probably eclipse that 420 mark and start moving solidly into the top 100 point getters of all time for uh, for defensemen. And again, by the way, his goal, his games played totals. The guy, for example, who's sitting, Gordy Roberts, is right now in 100th place for all time defensemen with 420 points in 1,097 games. Tyson Berry will do yeah. it in about 500 fewer. 
Yeah, Barry's only got he's got three hundred and four points in four hundred and seventy nine games, right? Which reignites the whole. Are we sure this is a good idea? Yeah. For for example, Eric Carlson sits at five sixty three in six hundred and seventy nine games. Yeah. So again, you you look at that and and Eric Carlson, yeah. So Eric Carlson sits at number fifty. I'm not saying Tyson Berry's Eric Carlson, but that point production is awfully similar. Is all I'm going to say. So yeah, there you go. I mean, Another goal for Tyson Berry last night. He is white hot right now, and this is the second year in a row the Avs have had a major injury, and Tyson Berry has stepped up. Um, and it's interesting, up, isn't it? Mm-hmm, picked up that production last year. Eric Johnson goes down, and everyone says, "Oh, that's it." Tyson Berry stepped into a a, a first pairing role, and. I think everyone agrees that was the best hockey Tyson Berry has played. I don't think he's reached that level this year. Um, you don't know if he ever will again because, I mean, he was he was really good on both ends of the ice last year. This year you have your two of your top three scorers go down. Tyson Berry ramps up the production. Uh, so go ahead. For for context here, I decided just to pull this up. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about his his rates and how quickly he's ascending. points per game in his career for Tyson Berry. That puts him in the company of P.K. Subban, Tori Krug, Roman Yossi, Brent Burns, Brian Rafalski, Rob Blake, Dustin Bufflin, uh, Sergei Zubov, those kinds of guys. Like he, Larry Robinson, all within a couple, within a little bit of a range here of, of where he is. So, you know, um, just points per game, just how often he scores points. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in the games that he plays, like it, it's an it's impressive, man. He uh, again, not sitting here making like some Hall of Fame candidacy conversation out of it, but um, and for the record, his point six three uh points per game, point oh one behind Santos Ozelinch. So yeah, there you go. Who was that? Who was point six four in his career? So, um, just you know. Interesting. I think it's interesting. It's just an interesting point of context because the closer we get to, you know, what we feel like will probably be a summer that sees him traded, the more you sit back and you look at that production and you, you look around at the names and the company he keeps from a production standpoint. I already know you can delete your tweets that say, but defensively he's not as strong as whoever I'm going to name at the end of this tweet. You can delete that. I've I've read fifty of those this week. I don't need to read another one. I understand. You're right. Like like we get it. Like we under we we totally, totally get but it. But people that are Got completely like, willing to write off what he brings offensively for his warts defensively, it it blows my mind because it's it it it's elite production. It truly is. It's not. Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's what you. That's be nice to get from Blue Line. It's yeah, fifty to sixty point season puts you as a straight baller in the NHL now. Your your tops from a production standpoint. His D game needs work. He's not as big as Eric Johnson. He can get pushed off the puck. If is everyone happy now? His point production is elite. Right, like you're paying him for something. Mm-hmm. He's doing that something. You know, and and at the same time, like, it's funny that we don't hear a lot of the Tyson Berry, you know, haters uh, hating on Eric Johnson for his lack of offense. Mm-hmm. You know, 
he's making six million dollars to be your number one defenseman, and he's got twenty some odd points. That's not good enough. Well, I heard that's not anywhere near good enough. I heard someone complaining about secondary scoring. I heard someone say, "Hey, well, you know, you get Tyson Berry, blah blah." That same person followed up by saying, "I don't care about that. I want my defenseman to play defense." It's like, so you want secondary scoring, yeah. but you're going to write off phenomenal secondary scoring that you're getting. Right. Okay. Like you're getting secondary scoring from your defense as a whole in the last couple of weeks. How do you think you have survived Ranton and Landis Cog injuries? Mm-hmm. It's because Tyson Berry has scored a bunch. All of the defense as a whole has stepped up offensively. Like we had a, the, I mean, Ian Cole has a couple of points. Nemeth has a couple of points. Gerard Johnson, Barry, all of these guys have chipped in points. That's secondary scoring. It blows my mind when people only think of secondary scoring as, well, it's got to come from lines two and three and four. Like your blue line, the same way that your forwards play a huge role in in good defense taking place, you think good defensive efforts are just defensemen? Right. Like, come on now. Well, and then then the other one that that does always get me is, oh, well, you know, he wouldn't have ever collected any, you know, half of those points if it wasn't for him playing with McKinnon. Joe Sackick once also said, I probably scored half my goals thanks to Peter Forsberg, but he's still a great player. You know, it's it's one of those things, right? It drives me nuts. Uh, right. Okay. So the guy, I mean, 600 goals is 600 right. goals. What you gonna, what, what you gonna right. say? Uh, oh no, great players make other great players even better? Ugh. With Kill me. With, the uh, worst. With the assists, uh, the number of assists he picked up last night, he actually moved into a career high as well. 44 assists for him is a uh, new personal best. One point behind his career high in points in a season. He's at 56 now, 57 is his high. Yeah. It's all, you know, he's. He, I, I know it's a stat. He's been dope, man. Like he's been, he's been dope. It's a stat you and I don't don't like to recognize, but it's one that people always try to throw in in everyone's face about Tyson Berry. He's also on track to have his uh, second best plus minus year ever, uh, which again me. means absolutely nothing to you and me. But I'm sure there's some people out there who are typing, "All right, well, yeah, but what about his plus minus? It's not very good. Look at it. It's." Fine. Well, it doesn't matter. Doesn't make and it sixty fine. for his career. Who cares? But imagine care? that, like when you're when you're on bad teams that get scored on all the time, you have a, a really high minus number. And when you're on better teams that limit goals better, um, your plus minus looks better. That's that's shocking. Like, uh, like imagine that. Good teams have guys with pluses. AJ, uh, really good game last night. The Avs did themselves a huge favor. We talked about them leaving points on the table against bad teams. Well, they went out last night against a very good team and uh, recouped at least a couple of those points. Let's jump to our last. Yeah, I mean, 5-0-1 in their last six, man. Like, this is exactly the kind of run that they needed to go on to, to give themselves a chance. And they are giving themselves a chance, and we're going to tell you exactly what those odds look like here on the other side as we are just going to continue giving you as the race evolves daily. Pretty much every day from here until the end of the season, third segment's going to be a standings watch, where we are, what movement has happened, and, uh, and, and, and where the gaps sit. So we will give you that quick snapshot when we come back. We'll get out of here for the day, and uh, you will be on your way to Friday. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. 
If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Third and final segment, BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Jesse Montano, AJ Hayfley. AJ, we are coming down to the wire here. And uh, we said it uh, earlier in this week, doesn't matter how you're getting the points All that matters is that you get them if you're the Avs. Last night, that win kept Vegas from officially punching their ticket to the playoffs and gave the Avs a two-point cushion over the Arizona Coyotes and a four-point cushion over the Minnesota Wild. All of those teams have five games to go. They sit three points back of the Stars, who are in action right now, down one nothing. Uh, to the Edmonton Oilers about halfway through the first period. Don't really care if they catch Dallas at this point, right? We just are interested in them getting in. Yeah, just just get in. So if you win tomorrow, if you beat Arizona in regulation, you'll give yourself that four-point cushion there. And even if Minnesota wins tomorrow, if you beat Arizona, you got four points with four games to go between you and the next two closest teams. Yeah. At that point, you got to be feeling pretty good, right? You're feeling good, but at St. Louis, Edmonton, who they've struggled with, Winnipeg at home, and at San Jose, it's not a kind schedule down the stretch, man. It's just not. Like, it's especially when you compare to what Arizona has left. You don't want to leave it up to the schedules. You know, you take care of your business. Darcy Kemper kind of maybe, is that shine wearing off a bit? Is that what we're seeing lately from them? I mean, not really, man. He's still playing phenomenal. New Jersey only scored one goal. The Islanders scored two. Um, Chicago didn't score any at all. So, not honestly, no. I thought, (laughs) didn't Arizona lose to Chicago? No, they won one nothing. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise they'd have a the Avs would have a four point lead right now. Yeah. And they would be looking at eliminating Arizona mm-hmm. tomorrow. Right. Right. But no, Arizona. Um, see, it's interesting because uh, Arizona and Minnesota set up for like deathmatch part two for the Coyotes mm-hmm. on Sunday, and then after that, uh, they get the Kings 
and then Vegas and Winnipeg after that. So it's not like the easiest schedule for Arizona either, but they do get the Kings while the Avs get the Oilers. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the Jets get both of them. So Winnipeg is going to play a role coming in, you know, down here, but uh, Colorado and Minnesota for, for Arizona on the schedule. They have, they're going to have the opportunity to do what they have to do head to head. Yeah. Uh, the wild are in Vegas tomorrow while the abs are at home against the coyotes. So those, I mean, those, those are it. That's what you're watching tomorrow. Um, Maybe you're keeping an eye on on Devils Red Wings. The good news there is one of those teams has to get points, um, even if they don't want them. Some nights it looks like that. Uh, so Devils and Red Wings are playing tomorrow, so that's a game you want to keep an eye on. For the other race that we have been staring at nonstop since, I don't know, November 2017, uh, Ottawa Senators. In action, in action right now, down three to two, uh, as AJ gives us the play-by-play from uh, from Ottawa. Kachuk again, man, guy's a beast. Yep. So he's so good, he pisses me off. Where they sit right now, sixty points with what do they have? Six games to go. That counts tonight. Yeah, five games after. Five games after this tonight, game ends. and they sit four points back of the Kings, six points back of the Wings. Senators have gotten that new coach bump, like we thought. Mm-hmm. Four, five, and one in their last ten. That sounds horrible, but for a team built like them, and with the season that they've had, four, five, and one is much better than you want if you're an Abs fan for the Sens. Uh, yeah. I mean, you take away even two of those, two of those Ottawa wins and this is done. Sewn up basically. Yeah. We're talking, we're talking April 9th. And I mean, we already are, but we have to watch these games cause it's still close enough here. You're, you're uh, almost the Red Wings. If, if the senators lose tonight and the Red Wings win tomorrow, you're almost out of reach there. And the yeah, I mean, even even just a Detroit win tonight and an Ottawa loss tonight. That, I mean, eight points. Does is, Detroit play tonight? Detroit's playing Buffalo right oh, now. So Detroit they just blew a two goal. So Detroit lead. plays back to back then. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit was up four to two with five minutes left, and now it's four to four with three minutes left. Just get points. Just get points. Just get points. That's all yeah, that matters. Exactly. So there you go, AJ. Uh, the Avs have done what they needed to. With five games to go, they've put themselves in a position where they are fully in control of what happens. It's 100% up to them. Uh, And and, and what they do in their games. Getting Gabe Landeskog back will obviously be a nice bump. Uh, For me, if you win tomorrow and you win your next game, regardless of what everyone else is doing, Man, you're going to put yourself in a good spot. Yeah, you're putting yourself in what we said. You can't let it get to 82. Mm-hmm. And and you know man, it all comes back to in for for me. The reason they're even in this position is is the amazingly strong start they had. You and I said it um in a podcast back in like late November 
where we said, hey, you know, the abs are putting themselves in a position uh, to, you know, to be comfortable at the end of the year. By no means are they comfortable right now, but a lot of that banking that they did at the beginning of the year could be helping them right now, even with all those overtime losses that uh, that you hope don't come back to haunt them. That strong first half of the season definitely looks like it's uh, been a nice boost here late in the year. It's, it's certainly not hurting them, but uh, I think the broadcast last night, they said that they're that no team, uh, that one other team in NHL history uh, had a stretch in a year in which they won three out of 20 games and then made the postseason. And the abs are vying to become the second. That's pretty crazy, man. That, yeah. And, like, if it's interesting because if you – there's been so much talk about, like, oh, the abs are bad. Mm-hmm. But if you – Straight up, like if you just build around the, if you look at the season around that 20 game stretch, like there's a better argument. It's a pretty good hockey team that just had a terrible mm-hmm. 20 games because we've, I mean, we're seeing those results, right? Like it's, if, if the other 60 games are good, which one do you value more? The 20 mm-hmm. games or the 60? Right. Now, obviously, they all play a role in how you finish in the standings, but I mean that's a that's an impossibly bad stretch that you survive. Right, right. I mean, even even seven wins in twenty is a terrible stretch, and they would be comfortable. I mean, they'd be where St. Yeah. Louis is right now with that. I mean, we're talking. This team is like just a, a thin mar a really thin margin away from comfortably being in the postseason and comfortably well, you out look at to those, be honest. The coin flip overtime games. You know, you you, you take those those yeah. 13 losses. And if you just take the 13, you say, all right, let's say you go six and seven in those instead of the 13 losses. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're 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 sitting one point back of St. Louis, one point back of Vegas four points clear of Dallas for the first wild card spot. It's right. I mean, it's right. totally, totally different world. So, you know, the, it's, it's interesting to me, the, the idea that, you know, Jared Bednar is such a bad coach, right? Like we've, we've seen so much and it's, it's been also very interesting how mm-hmm. quiet that's gotten you know, during, during this run. And it's, it still happens after every time they actually lose a game, like they lost to Chicago and it was like, Oh, well the 11, seven right. thing is a huge disaster. And then they changed it to 12 and six before last game. And it was like, well, why go, why, right. why change what works? And like, they're, you know, they're, they're what four Oh and one and three Oh and one in that stretch four and one in that stretch would they, with them using that lineup, like why change what works? even though it was just his fault using that lineup that they just lost the game. And then they go out and they change it back to 12 and six and they win anyway. And it's like, it's like, look guys, like maybe the guy isn't such a disaster. Okay. Like I'm not going to sit here and say that. I think he's the best head coach in the NHL or that he's certainly flawless or any of this. Like there are decisions that I disagree with. There are decisions I vocally disagree with, but you know, you look at, his job is to get his team into the postseason and to win games. 
And right now he's put his team, even if they lose the rest of the games this year, he's put his team with five games remaining in a position to do that. And for me, I I guess I can say, hey, credit where credit's due. All right, AJ, one last thing on the docket. A couple days ago, we did the show saying that it looked like Shane Bowers was heading back to Boston University. We thought everything was all good. Now reports are coming out that he might, in fact, be leaving Boston University and heading to the Avalanche. What do we know? So uh, here's what, and I kind of put a vague update on Twitter. Um, Here's where things stand. As of my understanding, here's more or less what happened. Uh, Initially, Bowers in the organization had said, hey, um, another year in college, everybody's cool with that. Ready, break. And then Bowers looked around and said, this is not necessarily the environment that I want to stick in. Uh, you know, the, there was an assistant coach that was fired today. The director of hockey ops quit today. Uh, six teammates have left. So uh, I put it on Twitter I, in response to somebody's question. Uh, essentially, it looks like Rome is burning from the outside. You know, from where we're sitting, it looks like Rome is burning here. So it's not easy, or I'm sorry, it's not hard to see why all of a sudden he would say, I don't know that I really want to stick through this, you know. This isn't necessarily what I signed up for. Um, But they still have to figure some stuff out. There are still contract details that need to be hammered out. You know, you have parameters that teams always have to work on, you know, um, ELCs are, are kind of uh, set in a lot of ways. Uh, number of years is never a question, never, you know, anything like that. But, you know, you have to set up bonus structures. You know, is a guy going to get performance bonuses? Is he not? Is he going to get a signing bonus? Is he not? What's his annual salary? Uh, what's the AAV come out to? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's those are the things. And, like, when you're talking about contract structure, like, relatively small things but they still have to be worked out it's still language that has to get worked out and this is still a young man's living that we're talking about here you know you and i are sitting around like oh what's the difference between eight hundred and ninety thousand dollars and nine hundred and twenty five thousand dollars are you serious but like for a guy that you never know maybe he gets injured during that elc look at connor timmons you know, maybe maybe something happens. You just there are no guarantees in life, and you have to do what you have to do in order to feel like you are in a good position financially. And the abs, of course, as the business offering the money, have to put themselves in a position where they feel like they're comfortable with what's being offered. Instead of just wandering around and giving away max ELCs left and right. We saw Chicago do that a couple of years ago, and they got burned on some of the schedule B bonuses. Because guys had, you know, Artemi Panarin had a huge year and they ended up having to pay several million dollars against next year's cap that cost them players, that that cost them maneuverability. And so, you know, things like, oh, are we going to include a Schedule B bonus? 
you know, the abs have the cap space to do it, but you also don't want to set the precedent of being an organization that goes around handing out uh, B bonuses left and right. Like they're just, it's not a big deal. Like it's just free, you know, Oh, Hey, we'll give that to you. You know, you have to set up a fiscal responsible model for yourself, for your organization and, you know, for agents to, to understand, Hey, we're drawing this line in the sand you know, we're not going to sit here and offer you a $700,000 ELC like you're a fifth-round pick. You know, this guy was taken in the first round, but he was also taken in the late first round. And if you look at what Colorado offered Martin Kaut last year, he got some performance bonuses. Um, he got about $400,000 in, in, in performance bonuses. Typically, late first-round picks and beyond don't get those. Uh, so... You know, we'll we'll see what ultimately they decide on, but those kinds of uh, things, those are the details that they're still hammering out. And when you when you hear about teams and and guys on ELCs working out uh, contract details, this is the stuff they're talking about. But Bowers, Bowers, it is there does seem to be confidence that this will get done. And uh, what's next for Bowers? Uh, I think it's a realistic expect. It's not like he set college hockey on fire um, and is demanding to find his way into the NHL with the avalanche during a playoff run. I think it's fair to expect that he probably goes the, uh, the, the Eagles route. If he does play this year, you know, maybe he wants to shut it down for the season. Maybe he's got something going on. I don't know any of that. Um, but I would I would say if he's healthy and if and if they're if the organization is open to it, um, it makes sense for him to go play for the Eagles on an ATO like is extremely standard and common practice with uh, with college kids. All right. Well, there up. you go. Avs are back in action tomorrow night at the Pep Centers. They take on the Arizona Coyotes. And has yeah. been the case with pretty much the last couple weeks. This is the biggest game of the season. Oh, this is this is the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you're heading down there, make sure you get loud. Make sure you're, you're you're making noise. The guys are always telling us how much of a difference it makes when when the building's lively and uh, and the fans are making noise. So if you're going to be down there, make sure you're uh, make sure you're rocking the place. Definitely get crazy, man. Get crazy. That when that I mean when Pepsi Center is rocking, it is a really fun place to be. And we have seen some really apathetic crowds with the season on the line. So I I want to I hope Pepsi Center tomorrow is just on fire. I hope people come ready and and loud and vocal. It's the Arizona Coyotes. There should not you should not let those people those people you should not let Coyotes fans invade your building. And be loud. Get crazy. I'm hoping Avs fans show up big in this one. And uh, it'll be a wild night. And hopefully they uh, they treat it like Game 82 last year against St. Louis. So there we go. For Adrian Dater and AJ Hayfley, I am Jesse Montano. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, have a great weekend.